0: Hello everyone, this is Rob, and welcome to another episode of What's On Joe Minds Rack Time. Today we are talking about issue number two of G.I. Joe by Paul Aller and Chris Stavenhouse. This issue opens with Scarlet placing a picture of Duke on a memorial wall and then knocking it down in a state of anger and grief. Also, throughout this issue, Hawk is having a conversation with someone where he's talking about the various stages of surrender. Parts of Hawk's conversation will be used to transition to various scenes in this issue. The Joes are starting a day of training, We see the team we met last time, Fade Away, Frontier, Roadblock, Jinx, and New Recruit, Tiger, in the Barracks and the mess hall. Hawk's narration talks about how when you suffer hardship and loss, you try and bury yourself in routine to cope. And that's what the Joes are doing in this issue. Duke is dead, and the United States has surrendered, and it leaves the Joes with no support. So they have nothing else that they know what to do. The uncertainty and dread that the Joes feel is brought to the forefront by Tiger. His enthusiasm from last issue has been replaced by a feeling of inadequacy. He thinks his teammates are hardcore military types, but that's not the case. Jinx says she was a martial arts instructor on the south side of Chicago. Roadblock was a line cook in a French bristro. Frontier did serve in the Frontier Corps before moving to America and becoming a substitute teacher. The most interesting backstory might belong to Fadeaway, who used to work for Cobra when it was just a tech company. So we get a little bit of background on Cobra's origin. Tiger's team starts with unarmed combat training with Scarlet. Scarlet wants the recruits to learn to take a punch. She starts with Tiger. Tiger takes a couple punches, and the others note that Scarlet seems a little extra aggressive this morning. We now cut to a cobra facility where we meet Dr. Mindbender, who is still bald with a monocle but is drawn looking gaunt and with no eyebrows, so he looks extra creepy. He's examining the corpse of Duke and talking to Major Blood. The bad doctor asks why he shot Duke in the head, explaining that he could have reactivated his brainwaves for information. Dr. Mindbender says he feels that the Joes' resistance will crumble without the backing of the U.S. government. Major Blood, on the other hand, is convinced that it will continue. We check in on Tiger, getting checked out in the infirmary by Doc. Doc's a female, get over it, angry internet guy. Tiger explains how useless he feels in comparison to his teammates. He just wanted to get one good punch in. He goes in search of Scarlet and finds her instructing another group of Joes that include Roadblock, Covergirl, and based on the design on his shirt, Lightfoot. Tiger wants another round. Scarlet dismisses the group, reminding Rock and Roll that making Hooch is not a constructive use of his time. I know lots of people from Joe Con who would disagree. The rest of the issue continues with scenes of Tiger's team getting other lessons like combat training from Stalker and medical training from Doc, alternating with scenes of Tiger getting beaten down by Scarlet, still trying to get that one punch in. He won't even stop to eat, so Scarlet gives him a knee to the gut and takes his lunch. The rest of the team catches up to Tiger, who is still unable to land a punch. Tiger thinks he was a coward, but Frontier said no, he survived. He also tells him that while he was doing this self-indulgent thing, the rest of the team was learning valuable skills, skills he missed out on. As Frontier and Roadblock pick up Tiger to take him to the infirmary, he admits he was ready to surrender. Jinx looks at Scarlet and says that they're losing him. Scarlet says, he's your teammate, what are you going to do about it? So Jinx kicks Scarlet through the door, and the rest of the team joins in the brawl, trying to help Tiger get that one punch in. The issue ends with more of Hawk's conversation. He states to the person he has been talking to that he has resisted this person's overtures for help because he did not want to make certain moral compromises and that the Joes could win without this person's help. He calls this person a power-hungry merchant of death, the kind of person he had always fought against. But now, to avoid total defeat, Hawk is willing to work together. The last page reveals that Hawk has been teleconferencing with Destro, who pledges to give the Joes all the help that they need to win the war. So this issue ends on a bombshell. Destro is on the side of the Joes, or is he? The character has a history of playing both sides of his own profit, but he also has a history of turning his back on Cobra when he finds their actions distasteful. Either way, this is a very intriguing wrinkle to add to the story. Not a lot of Joe gets Cobra action in this issue, but I think it's a great issue. There's lots of character work being done here, and I love the fact that the reality of the situation is smacked Tiger in the face, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. The ongoing conversation between Hawk and Destro reveals a lot about Hawk as well. Hawk is a man of high honor and ideals who has just had his foundation shaken to its core. As he explains his rationale for working together with Destro, he's trying to justify it to himself. The old rules are out the window, and all the Joes must adapt to this new situation that they're in. There are also just enough little clues about how this new world works to keep me wanting to come back for more. It's top-notch work all the way around. If you're not reading this series, you need to go to your local comic book shop and pick up the first two issues. And if you don't have a comic shop nearby, go to Comixology and download them. Support this series because you're a Joe fan and because this is good stuff. That's all for this episode. Until next time, I'll see you at the Comics Racks.